As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Greetings, salutations, and of course, hello to all of you out there, my listeners, my unlucky lounge rats. It's good to have you back here for a brand new episode of Draft and Draft, located here in historic Monoscrew Manor, located in the Blind Eternities. My name is Corey, your limited lore rat denizen of this The Unlucky Lounge. Yeah, we're changing up the cadence of the intro because, quite frankly, it's time for a brand new experience. And who better to experience this journey with than the 2-2 that's always there for you? Okay, you're right. We got a little long-winded there. His name is Borok, my bear friend. It's been too long, but it's time for us to play a brand new draft set here in Draft and Draft. And I'm excited too. A new format means brand new control strategies and limited. And I even heard that the shrines are back. Yes, Mr. Turtle, the shrines are back, but they're back in a very new fashion. But before we get to some of the nuances and details and, of course, engage in our Friday night podcast draft coming out at the top of the week because of the weird release schedule on Arena, let's first do a little bit of housekeeping and upkeeping. As always, this podcast is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Check them out to BLEAV.com or wherever you download your audio goodness. That's Apple Podcasts. That's on Spotify. And even go to their website, BLEAV.com, and enjoy some of their audio goodness. Keep your midday blues away with Believe. And of course, this show is here strictly because of all of you, my listeners. Thanks for tuning in to a brand new episode. And if you want to keep the narratives going, Find me on those social medias, on Twitch, TikTok, and of course, on Twitter. Find me, Draft and Draft Corey, on Instagram, Corey Demone Enriquez. And if the show is giving you some joy, think about helping us out on Patreon. Patreon.com backslash Draft and Draft. You know, it is the lifeblood for us content creators. And it really does help us out by helping spread the word of this, the Unlucky Lounge. 
And in the same vein of spreading the word, take a second to rate us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It really does help push that magical word of analytics in the right way to help us keep the lights on here in the Unlucky Lounge. Well, that's enough of the housekeeping and upkeeping. The Sorcerer's Broom is put back into the Conjurer's Closet. And before we launch into our draft, let's talk a few nuances of Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. Some early impressions and some early instincts about what we're going to be in store for for the next few months in our drafting fun. Well, flat out, I'm enjoying it. The mix of the modified mechanic alongside, you know, the artifact enchantment themes that you can certainly go into just straight up in the draft format. And then, of course, you can't forget about ninjas. There's a lot at play in the different archetypes, which also leads to a lot of interesting decision trees. I have found myself taking quite a lot of time, or in the vernacular of Arena, roping, just trying to figure out where I'm going to put some of my modifications. If I got an extra counter on an invigorating hot springs, or what I might be doing with some of the channel cards that appear in this format. It has led to a lot of exciting choices. And hopefully, when we get to our draft, we'll be able to showcase some of those different deep choices that we may have to make. But before we launch this draft, I say it's time for us to hold true to a tradition here on this podcast. So everyone, grab a drink grab a snack, maybe even crack a pack. Let's celebrate all the great that you are at the cusp of this brand new format. This, friends, is the untapped step. Ah, cheers, friends, but I don't know about any of you. The opening of that bottle sounded really strange. Borok, do you agree? I hope that's not an ominous start as we are here in the draft and we are ready to dive in. Pick one, pack one. At the top, the rare is Mind Link Mech. This is the fourth three flying vehicle. Yes, vehicles are back for two and a blue. It crews for one, and then whenever Mind Link Mech becomes crewed for the first time each turn until end of turn, it becomes a copy of target non-legendary creature that it crewed this turn, except it's a four three, and is a vehicle artifact in addition to its other types. A pretty strong card, if we're not going with that. Life of Toshiro Umazawa, the enchantment saga that has the Umazawa Jite effect on chapters 1 and 2 for a saga that only costs 1 to black and then turns into a 2-3 where you can tap it, pay a life, and get a black mana only to cast instants or sorceries. Besides that, we've got the Silver Fur Master, which is a solid ninjutsu card, but I don't think is necessarily the truth for the deck. Right now... I'm looking at all the commons and the commons. In fact, they're all blue and black. Futures Operative and the Blue Shrine. Oh, I said that I love shrines and this one mills people out? Oh, Turtle! Yeah, yes, Mr. Turtle, I get it. Oh, It's pretty exciting. Yes! But I just don't know if necessarily the Blue Shrine is the direction we want to go. But we could mill people out. Oh, Turtle. I know it's a milkon. I know it's a dream. But... Let's try the dream another time. We're just going to take Life of Toshiro Umazawa, a nice solid little small removal slash a good enchantment card that can branch us into the mix of white-black artifacts and enchantments as we go to pick two of pack one. 
for big cards in the uncommon slot, we see the Gloom Shrieker. This is the Eternal Witness variant for one black green with Menace, and then when it would die, you exile it instead, but you get a, a permanent card when it enters the battlefield. However, I just came back today from my first pre-release event in over two years. I, exciting, friends. Yes, very exciting. And I feel like I won very much off the back of an uncommon that I want to take here, which is Oni Cult Anvil. It's black-red for an artifact. When one or more artifacts you control leave the battlefield during your turn, you make a 1-1 colors concert artifact creature. Additionally, you can tap it and sack an artifact to drain your opponent for one. It's almost a self-fulfilling engine. It does a lot of great work with cards like Sokuzan Smelter. So if we put that together with some other seated black-red sack things, it can do a lot of fun work. Let's go to pick three of pack one. And with the pick of the anvil, I see two separate cards that I think are quite strong, both of which are red removal. One is Flame Discharge. It's X and a red, deals X damage to a creature or planeswalker. If you control a modified creature, as you cast a spell, it does X plus two damage instead. Versus Kami's Flare. It's the one, a red, deal three damage to a creature or planeswalker, and it deals two damage to the permanence controller if you control a modified creature. Yeah, this is a tough pick for me. I'm not sure actually which one is better. I'm going to go right now with the Flame Discharge because I feel like the format does have a tendency to go a little bit long. Maybe it's just the format trying to figure out what the right direction is to take it right now. And as time goes on, it might get quicker. But for now, a bigger removal spell I'm going to choose over a smaller removal spell. As we go to pick four of pack one, uncommons are a white and green uncommon. The 4-4 four, four flying enchantment creature that gets reduced by one for each enchantment you control starts off at seven. And then the green ramp creature in Orochi Merge Keeper. 1-1 one, one for one green. You tap to add a green. If it's modified, you get two green. For black-red cards, there's a debt to the Kami, which is... A pretty flexible edict effect that either exile a creature or enchantment, depending on your choice. There is a Simeon Sling, but oh, I do love that card. But with the Oni Cult Anvil, I'm going to take a card that I had a lot of success with here today, and that's Ecologist Terrarium. For two colors, it's an artifact. When it enters the battlefield, you search your library for a basic land card, put it in your hand, shuffle, and then you can pay two and tap it and sacrifice it to put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature, only as a sorcery speed. A really good card, and especially with the Oni Cult Anvil, super flexible and gets you a little bit of value on top of the value you're already getting with the card itself. Pick five, pack one. This boils down to two cards, although there is a Bloodfell Caves. This is the black red gain land, but I'm gonna go with one of two cards in this pack. One is either Lethal Exploit, one in a black. For char creature, gets minus two, minus two until end of turn, and an additional minus one, minus one for each modified creature you control while you cast a spell, or Bronze Plate Boar. It's a 3-2 trample for tuna red artifact creature equipment boar and reconfigures for 5, which means when it gets equipped, the equipped creature gets plus 3, plus 2, and has trample. I'm going to go with the bronze plate boar for now. I like lethal exploit, but as I said before, I'm a little reticent on making sure that your removal does a lot. And for now, the flexibility of this 3-2 trample that can make your other creatures better, I'm in for that. Pick six, pack one. We see a artifact creature, Rat Ninja, in Mukatai Ambusher. Three and a black for three, two ninjutsus for one and a black. 
and of course has lifelink. Quite nice. There's also return to action. One to black, instant until end of turn. The creature gets plus one, plus oh, gains lifelink, and then returns to the battlefield when it dies, tapped. There's also a gift of wrath. If we're going to go aggressive, this could be a good card to do it with. Three and a red, an aura for an artifact or creature. The enchanted permanent gets plus two, plus two, and has menace, and then when gift of wrath leaves the battlefield, you get a two, two red spirit creature token with menace. I want to go with the Gift of Wrath for now and see if maybe this card's the truth or not. I'm not quite sure yet, but we'll see as we go to pick 7 of pack 1. Well, we didn't take it last time, but now I do want to take in that Simeon Sling. But there is a Scrapyard Steelbreaker, which I feel like has done a lot more work than I initially anticipated it to. This is for 3 and a red, an artifact creature, human warrior. You pay 1, sack another artifact, and then the Scrapyard Steelbreaker gets plus 2, plus 1 until end of turn. And that's really good with the Oni Cult Anvil that we have. In fact, I think I'm going to take that over the Simeon Sling. I might be wrong because I do love our monkey friend, but let's take that Steelbreaker for now. As we go to pick 8, whoa, another Bronze Plate Boris here. But there's also Okiba Reckoner Raid. This is a darling of a card I've seen a lot of play with. A single black Enchantment Saga. Chapters 1 and 2, each opponent loses 1 and you gain 1. And then on the other side, it's a 2-2 Menace with virtual vehicles you control having Menace. Really nice card. There's also an Izumi Blade Buster, the 3-2 for 2 and a black. That it has Death Touch if you have an Artifact. And Menace if you have an Enchantment. For now, I'm going to take the Bronze Plate Borer. I think the value of that card is just too high to pass up. Way too flexible. As we go to our table pack and wow, we see an Experimental Synthesizer. We took the life of Toshiro Umazawa in that original pack, but man, this card definitely gave me a little bit of how you doing eyes in the pick one, pack one. For one red, it's an artifact. When it enters the battlefield or leaves the battlefield, you exit the top card of your library until end of turn you may play that card. And then you can naturally sacrifice it for two and a red, and then you get a 2-2 white samurai creature token with vigilance, sorcery speed for that effect. Yeah, experimental synthesizer size bleh, experimental synthesizer is the truth. Borok, I feel like I can't speak this episode. I'm so excited. You know, I may not know a lot about getting in the red zone, but I feel like that 2-2's pretty good for our deck. Mm, Turtle. You're not wrong either, Mr. Turtle, as we tabled the Sokazan Smelter. Oh this is the 2-2 two -two for one to red. At the beginning of combat, you may pay one, sacrifice an artifact. If you do, you create a 3-1 red contract artifact creature token with haste. Really good with the synthesizer we just picked up and the Oni Cult Anvil. At the moment, we only have two black cards in Life of Toshiro Umazawa and Oni Cult Anvil. We're definitely going to play that as we get pick 11. Normally, this is garbage time, but Aki Ember Keeper is here. A really nice solid two drop, a one and a red for a 2-1. Whenever a modified creature you control dies, you get a 1-1 color spirit creature token. Fits in the curve perfectly, and we still get a Simeon Sling to boot. Borak, I think we found our lane. <laughs> yes, I am pretty excited to see where this draft is going to develop. We got flexibility to take some strong black cards. We're definitely red. And, you know, let's find a little bit more removal as we go to pick one of pack two. In the common and uncommon slot... It's nothing but Bant-colored things. The rare is Brilliant Restoration, three and four white pips. Return all artifact and enchantment cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. I do not want to take that. <laughs> then there's also Behold the Unspeakable. What a great enchantment saga. But man, this pack is barren for us. Not 
very good at all. You know, if there's no playables, maybe take the fixing. Turtle. Yes, yeah, Mr. Turtle, we might just take the Rugged Highlands. It is certainly a land that we don't really want to play, but maybe if we find something in a green color that is big and bomby, we might take it. And I do believe that the speed of the format right now, be it at the beginning of the format or something greater about the truth of what this format is, splashing is not too horrible. So I'll take this dual land, and if we find something good in green, I'm not even quite sure for a single green pip that we might want to take. Maybe I would take the Invigorating Hot Springs, one green, red for an enchantment. It enters the battlefield with four plus one, plus one counters. You can move a counter once per turn to another creature you control, and then modify creatures you control have haste. That's quite a good card. But for now, I think we just take the Rugged Highlands and go to pick two of pack two as we see a third bronze plate board. That's cute. Uh, but one thing that we could pick up here is a March of Reckless Joy. It's X and a red. It's an instant. It has the claws that all the marches have, which is as an additional cost to cast a spell. You can exile any number of the colored cards that this card is to increase the X by two, and then you exile the top two cards of your or the top X cards of your library, and you may play up to two of those cards until the end of your next turn. We are looking for a little bit more in the card value train. There is though a circuit mender, a nice two three for three colorless. When it enters the battlefield, you gain two life, and when it leaves the battlefield, you draw a card. I have found this card to be quite good, and you know, now that I kind of talked through it, with the two bronze plate boars and the fact that it's an artifact with our Oni Cult Anvil, I think I kind of want to take our cute little insect friend instead of the rare. So let's take the Circuit Mender instead as we go to pick three of pack two, and oh man, this is a tricky one. We can choose one of three solid cards in this pack. One is a Voltage Surge. For a single red, it's an instant. You can sack an artifact in addition to its cost to make it deal one of two different values of damage. With no sacrifice, it deals two. With a sacrifice, it deals four to a creature or planeswalker. Then there is the Darling of a card, Twisted Embrace, two colorless, black, black. For an enchantment aura, you enchant an artifact or creature you control, and then... When it enters the battlefield, you destroy a creature or planeswalker, and the enchanted permanent gets plus one plus one. But the card that I really want to take here is Tempered in Solitude. One red. Whenever a creature you control attacks alone, you exile the top card of your library. You may play that card until the end of your turn. I just really like this card. It's almost an irreplaceable level of card advantage. And while the two removal spells are really nice, maybe we might see one come around just because of the way this draft has been going so far. Pick four of pack two. Oh, the rare is still here. And it's Ogre Head Helm. It's another reconfigure artifact equipment creature. It's a 2-2 two -two for one red. Uh, equipped creature gets plus two, plus two. And then when the helm or the equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, you may sacrifice it. If you do, discard your hand, then draw three cards. A perfect low-costing creature, which is what we're deck is looking for, that can make our creatures bigger. Oh, sometimes it just feels so good to be in the right place, my unlucky lounge rats. As we go to pick five, a pack two. This is where we're going to pick up our debt to the Kami. We mentioned this before. Two colors and a black, an instant. You choose either target opponent exiles a creature they control or an enchantment they control. 
It is a very flexible Edict effect. It's a pretty mid-range kind of card, but it has enough going for it that you'll probably get something good off of playing Debt to the Kami. So let's put it into our pile and go to pick six of pack two. And there's a couple pretty medium red cards here. We can take another Aki Ember Keeper. Looking at our deck right now, we do have two Bronze Plate Boars. We do have a Simeon Sling right now that I put into the sideboard. There's also a Tawashi Song Shaper. It's a 2-2 for one red that whenever another artifact enters the battlefield under your control, it gets plus one plus O oh until end of turn. We do have eight artifacts at the moment. It's a pretty good attacker. I think I would be pretty willing right now to take that and have another 2-2 body and go into pick seven of pack two. And this is where we start to really find some nice stuff. There is an Iron Hoof Boar in this pack. The 5-4 for five and a red, six mana, trample haster, but you can also channel it to give target creature plus three plus one and trample until end of turn. There is a Kami of Industry, which I do like a lot with the Ecologist's Terrarium that we picked up earlier and also goes quite nice with the Sokotan Smelter, but I haven't played with an Iron Hoof Boar yet and I just want to play with new cards. Why not? We're in the middle of the pre-release weekend, so let's spread out some of the joy as we go to pick eight and wow, we see a Runaway Trash Bot in this pack. It's the 04 for three colorless artifact creature. It has Trample and gets plus one plus O for each artifact or enchantment in your graveyard. We currently have 10 artifacts. We got four enchantments. Yeah, this card seems like it could be a big body for us. As we go to pick nine, hey, look, that brilliant restoration is still in the pack. There's a Kaitos Perseus, which is the mine rot that gives your ninjas and rogues medicine until end of turn, in addition to making your opponent discard two cards. Another Scrapyard Steelbreaker will be our pick, though, as we're nearing garbage time and we get another Bronze Plate board. You know, when I see these going so late, it almost makes me a little bit hesitant. Maybe the internet knows a little bit more than I do in the situation where I'm about to pick up my second tabled bronze plate boar. Let's take it anyway. I just have a good feeling about this card. Clawing Torment is an interesting one. It's an enchantment aura, a single black pip, an enchant an artifact or creature. The permanent gets minus one, minus one, and can't block, and then it makes them lose a life at their upkeep. I think this might be the kind of aggressive card that our deck might want and act as pseudo-removal. We pick up an Undercity Scrounger as well. It is two colorless and a black for a 1-4 artifact creature human rogue. You tap it, create a treasure token. You can only use that if creature died this turn. You know what? We may play it. I'm not sure. And we get another Aki Ember Keeper here towards the end of the pack, going into pack three. Borok, this is exciting. I, I like where this deck is going. Yes, I do want a little bit more removal, and I want a little bit more synergy, and we might have just found it. In pick one of pack three, a second Oni Cult Anvil's in the pack, but oh no, there's also a Reinforced Ronin. This card is such a darling. A single red for a 2-2 Haster. At the beginning of your end step, you return it to your hand. It works well with the first Oni Cult Anvil that we have, and it also has a failsafe of one to red to discard it and draw a card. <sighs> I really want to take this card, but I think the second Oni Cult Anvil is so hard to deny. Its power is very good, and I would love to table this Ronin if no one else is on this aggro red train, which it looks like may be true. 
it's going to do some great work for us as we go to pick two of pack three. The rare is still in the pack, the reality chip. Oh, just listen to this type line, everyone. It's a legendary artifact creature equipment jellyfish. It's five magical words, none of which are going to be words that we take, unfortunately. Our first pick, another life of Toshiro Umazawa is in this pack. There's also another experimental synthesizer. They go very well in multiples. And I think we'll end up taking that, especially having taken the second Oni Cult Anvil. Very good to sacrifice these synthesizers to make more 1-1s one and then get some additional card advantage. As we go to pick three of pack three, here's an interesting card that I've seen uh, come around a few times that really hasn't been a truth for me yet. It's Dragon Spark Reactor. One to red, an artifact. Whenever the reactor or another artifact enters the battlefield under your control, you put a charge counter on it. Then you can make four colorless and sack it, and it deals damage equal to the number of charge counters on it to target player and that much damage to another creature. The fact that we have two Oni Cult Anvils tells me this might be the kind of deck that could support this reactor well. It sacrifices, so it triggers the anvils, making an additional 1-1 construct artifact creature token, and can deal both a lethal blow and remove a difficult creature. Pick four! Oh! We did it! The reinforced Ronin is in this pack. I'm so excited. Think about this. The 2-2 for one red with haste. It enters the battlefield. You can attack your opponent for two in the early game. It returns to your hand. And if you want to, you can sacrifice it to the anvil to drain them. But it also leaves the battlefield naturally. So you're not even losing card value on the table. And you're still getting the one ones. That is so lovely to see. We're putting that into our stack quite happily as we go to pick five. This pack not so flush with playables for us. A lot of the strongest cards are in white and blue. What we'll take here maybe is an ambitious assault though. This is for two and a red, an instant. Creatures you control get plus two plus O until end of turn. And if you control a modified creature, you get to draw a card. We are looking to maybe go a little wide with these two anvils. So maybe it'll work for us. As we go to pick six, another Ronin. Everything's coming up Millhouse. <laughs> Oh, I, I don't even know where to go with this, Borok. I, I'm so happy. This is going to be, I think, some real gas. It's super aggressive, and since we're playing in the best of one queue, we're in a great place. We're a little light on removal, but maybe we can still make some of this cool stuff work. There is a containment construct in this pack. Uh, this is the 2-1 that looks like a legacy playable for two colorless. Whenever you discard a card, you may exile that card from your graveyard. If you do, you may play that card this turn with the two Ronins that we have. That might just be the truth for us. And we pick up... Oh, no! Either a third Experimental Synthesizer or another Ecologist Terrarium. Oh, man, that's tough. I think we take the third Synthesizer, though. That is just perfect card advantage and so beautiful with the Anvil. As we are in our table pack, we see an Unstoppable Ogre, the 4-1... That enters the battlefield, target creature can't block this turn for two and a red. We'll take it, more likely than not, we're not going to play it. And we're going to swiftly be moving to garbage time here. Picking up just a few bits and bobs. There's an explosive entry, an interesting card. Disrupt a one target artifact for one red, and then you put a plus one plus one counter on up to one target creature. I might actually play that, since we're kind of light on removal. And a Kami of Industry is in this pack, too. This might be the deck for it, too. 
The 3-6 for 4 and a red. When it enters the battlefield, you return an artifact card with mana value 3 or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains haste, and then you sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. But I believe the way this works, especially with the 3 synthesizers, uh, you can get some good value off of it. And if we have the Ronins, I think we can return the Ronin before you sacrifice it. Man, we have a lot of playables, my unlucky lounge rats. This is going to be an exciting deck, and I'm so happy to have you here. So go ahead, take a break, and we'll see you back here on the podcast as we put this deck together here in Top of the Week podcast. It's not FNP, but you get it. Welcome back, all of my unlucky lounge rats. I hope you've refreshed, refueled, and good to see that you've returned as we are having some first Dominarian problems, friends. We are flush with playables in this black-red artifact deck. There is just so much good going on here. We've got two Onicult Anvils, three Experimental Synthesizers, two Ronins, two Bronze Plate Boars, an Ecologist Terrarium, and a partridge in a pear tree. Borak, I'm not getting back into the life day stuff with you. I'm sorry, my friend. No gracias. But taking that aside, this deck's really got a lot going on with it. And I'm very excited to see it play out. It's super low to the curve. It's very contained in its game plan. It's got some great synergies with that anvil plus the Sokazan smelter. Let me just refresh everyone what this card does. 1 to red, 2-2. Two, two. That at the beginning of combat on your turn, you pay 1 and sacrifice an artifact. If you do, you create a 3-1 red construct artifact creature token with haste. Now let's talk about how that interacts with the anvil. So if I just have anvil and smelter out, at the beginning of combat, I sacrifice any artifact to get a 3-1. The anvil triggers, and I get a 1-1. One, one. So even if I just have 1-1-1 one, one, one on the battlefield with the Sokazan smelter, I upgrade that 1-1 one, one into a 3-1, and then I make a 1-1. One, one. It really populates itself very well. That's not even to speak of how Reinforced Ronin returns to your hand at the beginning of the end step, which then triggers the anvil, making another 1-1. One, one. There's a lot of incremental advantage in this deck, and I can't wait to try it out. A couple cards that were hard to kind of Focus in and make the final 23. Things like Debt to the Kami and Explosive Entry, both of which are very situational removal spells. One destroys an artifact, one can make our opponent exile a creature they control, they choose, or an enchantment they control. They, in a lot of formats, seem very temperamental. But the flexibility of Debt to the Kami and the high proliferation of artifacts even just like reinforced artifacts is so far out there that the cards themselves, I think, are going to be a big asset in play. And I'll take their strength with the truth of us not having a lot of removal. The final cuts. Well, we didn't end up playing the Simeon Sling. We took out a third bronze plate board, but I think the hardest cut for me was in the Trumpet Blast effect. The Ambitious Assault. Tuna Red. Instant creatures you control get plus two plus zero, oh, and if you control a modified creature, draw a card. Now maybe I'm just looking at the maximization of the effect and it's blinding me to its true strength, but we aren't going to get a lot of modified creatures. Even the bronze plate four 
They reconfigure for five. That's a very big cost. And I feel like that's going to be a hard mountain to get that card draw. And as long as we're flush with getting those one ones, it would be strong. But I just want the card to work well in multiple situations. And I feel like the only way where it's truly, truly good is when we're ahead and when we already have a strong board. And I can see universes with a lot of the temperamental value with the three experimental synthesizers and the two Ronins that maybe we're just trying to get chip damage in and it just doesn't get there. We really need to have Anvil before that big, explosive, ambitious assault works. So for now, I'm just gonna keep with some solid cards, some strong board presence, and go into it. I am playing 16 lands, 10 mountains, and six swamps for four black pips. It just goes to show you that mana commitments in this set are gonna be particularly interesting. You can go nearly monocolor in a set like this. Just something to think about, my unlucky lounge rats. That, alongside the Ecologist Terrarium, I think is going to give us enough to make this real synergistic deck hum. Will it hum in our favor? Let's find out as we go to our game here in our Friday night top of week podcast. I have to find a better way to call this kind of top of week draft. I'll figure it out later. Let's play some games. We are on the play with a keepable hand here with two bronze plate boars, two mountains, a runaway trash bot, scrapyard steel breaker, but the card that's keeping the hand together is Ecologist Terrarium. The artifact for two colorless that lets you search your library for a basic land card and put it into your hand. Then you can sack it for a plus one plus one counter. It gets us our black mana and our third land as well, getting us a swamp. And also, for our turn two here, as we play the Terrarium out, we get to draw an Experimental Synthesizer, which is nice. Our opponent's turn thus far has been turn one, Iron Apprentice. Turn two, Sokazan Smelter. Clearly, we are in a Great Minds Thick Light type matchup. And for our turn three, we're going to run out a Bronze Plate Bore and pass the turn. Our opponent can quite easily sack the Apprentice to their Smelter, and they play another Apprentice. Wow, looking pretty good as our opponent is doing quite a lot of fun things with two Apprentices and a Sokazan Smelter. They do sacrifice one Smelter, one Apprentice, my apologies, to then get a 3-1, and they're going to attack with everything. We're going to block their Smelter, and they're going to get through for five, putting us down to 14. Wow, our opponent's doing some good work. And who? We did find a life of Tushiro Umazawa. A nice find there, which is going to help us kill the 3-1. But for now, we're going to play our 3-4, maximize our mana usage, as they have a 2-2 and a 3-1 on the battlefield. As long as they don't sacrifice their Iron Apprentice and put two counters onto their 3-1, we'll be in good shape here. They attack with their 2-2 and their 3-1, us at 14, and then playing a Swamp in their main phase. This is clearly a mirror match, friends, and I want to really utilize this life of Toshiro Umazawa. So I'm not going to block, and I'll take the 5. We're at 9, they're at 20. We are certainly in dangerous times here. As they play a Surge Hacker Mech, wow, I feel very good about not blocking there. They would have killed our Scrapyard Steelbreaker. So, yeah, great stuff there. 
Let's play the life of Tashiro Umazawa. We're going to give the 3-1, minus 1, minus 1. Leave them now with the Surge Hacker Mech, now that we have a second to talk about it. It's a 5-5 for 4 colors with Menace. When it enters the battlefield, it deals damage equal to twice the number of vehicles you control to target creature an opponent controls. Because I didn't block, that means they didn't destroy our Scrapyard Steelbreaker, and we got maximum value off of our life of Toshiro Umazawa. I like our line so far, and we are going to follow up that saga with a Runaway Trash Bot. We will then pass the turn, letting our opponent go to their main phase here. We are still in a bit of danger zone as they really came out aggressive and we came out more controlly. So generally that favors the opponents, especially if they can get two more power to crew their Surge Hacker mech because we have no way of blocking it efficiently. In fact, I didn't even notice they have a mech hanger. This is the land that can actually turn vehicles into creatures, which is forcing us now to make some really difficult choices. In fact, I think the choice is, we're gonna take the five here, go to four, and it really does suck. But, I do believe that it's probably for the best, because we can at least gain some life here, bring us back up to six with chapter two of Life of Toshiro Umazawa, and then we can also start to set up for a block that's relatively efficient. And oh, interesting. We did just draw our own Sokazan Smelter, which will allow us to do some work with the pre-existing Ecologist Terrarium. For now, let's go ahead and play the Experimental Synthesizer in our hand. And we find another Synthesizer. Interesting. I'm actually just looking for a land as I'll play the second one. And we flip over a Tempered in Solitude. Unfortunately, I don't think that card is going to do what we want it to. So I'm going to play our Smelter and go to our attacks up here to pay the one and sacrifice our Terrarium, which is going to make another blocker for us here. And now our Runaway Trash Bot is a 2-4. We've got a 2-2 Smelter a 3-4 Scrapyard Steelbreaker, and a 3-1 Contrast. Next turn, we're going to have Life of Toshiro Umazawa on lock, and that's going to be another blocker to help hold down the Surge Hacker mech as our opponent plays their own Terrarium and finds a Plains. I've seen a lot of Mardu decks floating around. A lot of them seem to be kind of like centering around the fact that there is that legendary attacking commander, which is... A nice card, but I don't think it's really a reason to be in that archetype. And oh boy, our opponent plays Gift of Wrath on their Surge Hacker mech. Thankfully, they don't have the power to crew the mech, but that should be a problem. Oh! The Explosive Entry! Oh, that is a good find for us. Man, you gotta love when a good plan comes together, friends. Let's go ahead and explosive entry that Surge Hacker mech. Uh, it's going to really help us out here. And we'll put the counter on the Runaway Trash Bot, continuing to grow that creature. They do get the 2-2 Menace that's left behind from the Gift of Wrath, but that doesn't look as scary as it used to, particularly because we are starting to have our own board here. We're at 6, they're at 20, and I think it's time for us to be aggressive. We're going to sacrifice our experimental synthesizer to make another 3-1 from our own Sokazan Smelter. We reveal a mountain and 
Our opponent just scooped. They gave us the victory. We were at 6, they were at 20. I guess we win on this episode of Friday Night Podcast on the top of the week. Still got to find a good title for this show. My lucky lounge rats, I'm not quite sure exactly what to say about that win. <laughs> we were certainly starting to come together with our own synergies, and it was feeling good, but, you know, our opponent decided to give us the win, and they didn't even see any of our reinforced Ronins, nor our Oni Cult Anvils. I can't wait to see what results this deck is going to yield. And you can see how this deck is going to play out too. Come and find me on Twitch, Draft and Draft Cory. More likely than not, we are going to play this deck out on our Twitch stream. Probably do so on the Wednesday after this episode is released. And even if you're busy at that time, you can watch the VODs afterwards and you might as well find us on all of those socials on Twitter, Twitch, and TikTok, Draft and Draft Cory. My Instagram, Cory Demone Enriquez. And if this show is giving you joy, help us out on Patreon. Patreon.com backslash draft and draft. All the links in the show notes below. I can't wait to dig more into this format. There's so many interesting decision trees and choices to make. This might be an all timer of a limited format. It may be up there and I can't wait to discover what else the plane of Kamigawa holds for us here on the show. Well, friends, it looks like I've found the bottom of my drink, and so we've reached the end of another episode. My name is Corey, joined alongside Borok. Oh, and don't forget about me either, mm, Turtle. And of course, Mr. Turtle too. And thanks for joining us for another episode of Draft and Draft. Now go out there and make some magical memories of your own. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.